Hello and welcome to On the Table. I'm Sana Ferreira. On the Table explores the past, present, and future of the American food culture that kids experience. Have you ever thought much about how what kids eat matters for their health as adults? Join On the Table for appetizing conversations about the influences on what kids like to eat and what you like to eat. Indulge in an array of insights from some of today's most influential architects of taste, notable chefs and restaurateurs, as they weigh in on the presence or absence of kids' meals and their visions for how kids should experience food. Stay for the unique stories that shape our discourse around food, love, and life. On the Table shares a smorgasbord of topics, ranging from the biological development of taste nutrition, multicultural cuisine, comfort foods, dining out, fine dining, what parents want, and the future of kids' meals. So why don't you pull up a chair and join on the table for today's feature dish. Kids' tastes. Do they become parent preferences? Episode 2. In this series, we will discuss and develop a taste for curiosity about foods and why we eat them now, and reflect on why we ate them as kids. Food preferences are formed in childhood, and they lay the foundations for healthy adult lives. Along with my personal experiences of developing food preferences, my research field in preventing disease among children relies in part on knowledge of what kids learn to eat in childhood and how their eating behaviors can later affect their metabolism and a host of other related adult diseases. Cravings, I'll talk more about these in episode three, for high calorie comfort foods, for instance, are powerfully associated with tastes or emotionally tied to memories. Consuming high calorie foods is associated with overeating behaviors and an increased risk of obesity. We do know a good amount about the biology of taste and the effect of the environment and limitations on what kids eat. Evidence shows that tastes develop when children are young, even as early as the third trimester in the mother's womb, in a phenomenon called prenatal flavor learning. During pregnancy, some of the foods that mothers crave are those that provide nutrients that she and her baby need. Similarly, foods that pregnant mothers have aversions to can reflect an evolutionary tendency to protect the developing baby from harmful substances. That makes sense. There are also many other factors that shape a child's taste preferences outside the womb, some of which also impact the types of foods that kids have access to. Research studies on child food choice span factors as varied as socioeconomic status regional access to healthy food choices such as farmers markets, the impact of family meals and eating together, school nutrition services, and the success or failure of industry marketing or education campaigns around healthy eating. Of course, as you may well remember, kids develop their own aversions based on a host of other factors including texture, temperature, spiciness, and familiarity. Kids naturally prefer higher levels of sweet and salty taste and reject those bitter tastes at levels of tolerance much lower than those in adults, and these also include sour tastes. 
This predisposition for diets which are not the recommended low-sugar, low-sodium, vegetable-rich diets make them extra vulnerable to a current food environment filled with choices of foods high in salt and refined sugars, typical of poor food choices and child obesity. Taste buds. Let's talk about those. They're sensory organs on the tongue with little receptors inside that help us experience foods, and they also change as we grow up. The average adult, in fact, has 10,000 taste buds, and these are replaced on the order of every two weeks. As we age, we can actually lose up to half of our taste buds if they don't get replaced. As a result, food can start to taste bland. People who prefer bland foods might actually be more sensitive and taste more of the flavors of the foods that they eat. Experts recommend that parents attempt to give novel foods to kids eight to ten times before moving on. The French, for example, might serve peas in a puree, raw and cooked, and in different contexts and require the kids at least try the food before they have permission to refuse. What kids like to eat also depends on the context that they're eating in. The context of eating is complex. This process can be broken down into the when, the what, the how, and how much food. Today, there are miniature foodies, brilliant home cooks on MasterChef Junior and home chefs on stepladders, all watching and learning how to appreciate and prepare food at home, at school, and even from television and media. On a personal level, my interest in food developed at home and with my family. Even when I didn't speak the same language as my grandparents, family meals and foods prepared and served then were a language that bridged me into an unfamiliar culture. Research on family meals, for instance, shows that engagement builds interest and as such could be an important tool to encourage healthy and food choices rich in variety and flavors. My heritage, especially my culinary heritage, sparked a great lifetime interest in food. Parents, including those who are home cooks, chefs, and their restaurants all play significant roles in crafting and enriching and inspiring environments in which kids can begin to make food choices away from home. Few studies, and I'll talk more about these in episode 5, examine kids' meals, and most are limited to distant evaluations of fast food, marketing incentives, or nutritional value. Intrigued by the apparent complexity of interactions around environment, education, taste, and artistry that encompass the meals that a kid can be exposed to, I too started to make observations on the options available to kids for meals in a variety of contexts. I focused my efforts on observing the options available on menus, and some mini foodies I knew that eat from them. When more of my fellow foodie friends started to have kids, I started taking notes on where we ate and what happened at these mealtimes, while dining out from the time kids could say their first, no, or I want it. What made these kids excited about certain food options? What made them refuse? What can chefs do to make adult foods palatable and interesting to kids? Altogether, my curiosity about child food choice inspired me to take another look at kids' menus and meals to see what is available for kids to eat out of the home at restaurants. Stay tuned for episode 8, where we'll also see what progressive chefs are doing to push the boundaries of the kids' meal. 
As I began to look at menus and popular food items, I had flashbacks to my own childhood. Back then, kids' meals were for kids, and I imagine were a signal to parents that the restaurant was prepared to provide service to families, including everything from a high chair or a booster seat, to the activities and the crayons, and to food options that kids would probably be happy with. Food consumed away from the home has a large role in today's American diet. Research comparing nutritional quality of food prepared in the home to that away from the home thus is used to create the federal dietary guidelines. For parents, beyond special occasions, I'd like to know what are the reasons why you might take your kids with you to enjoy a meal out versus leaving them at home? How do you choose where to dine? Is the presence of a designated kids' meal an important factor? Parents clearly have choices to make when it comes to deciding if and where to take their kids out to eat, as do you. If you're a parent, consider how much of your preference is based on your own cravings for comfort foods, or for instance, what you learned from watching Nona prepare your favorite dishes in the kitchen. Thank you for joining me on the table. I hope that you've enjoyed this spread of topics and will perhaps think about food, your culinary heritage, and how you nourish yourselves and others a little bit differently. When you serve food or enjoy what's on your table, remember you're sharing a little bit of yourself and showing others how to appreciate food. Next time on the table, we will discuss comfort foods and cravings and what a simple preference for your favorite foods says about you.